Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here. Good to have you with us online, either right now in real time or if you're watching it later. We know the Word of God never returns void, and so it's exciting to preach it. Uh, I don't know about you, but that Operation Christmas Child thing was looking really good this year. I don't know whether you noticed. I noticed right away. One of those kids is getting a Manchester United jersey. I want that box, okay? I don't know, I don't know where it's going in the world, but I'm going to find out, hunt that kid down, and trade him for it. I guess I could just go to the mall and get a Manchester United jersey, but that's a pretty sweet gift if you get a Manchester United jersey in your, in your box. That's nice. So that raises the bar. Um, if you are in a life group or you are reading the book, uh, Imperfect Disciples, along with us, uh, you should be, or you could be this week in chapter two of the book. And I think some of you had photocopies of the book, chapter one, not photocopies of the book, photocopies of chapter one last week, just because we couldn't get them all in for you. Uh, but a shipment of books, I know, has come in at last, and so you should be able to get your hands on a book this morning, right? Yeah, that's good. So check out uh, uh, the lobby and find Allison for a book. Uh, chapter two, which you should be in, is called Good News for Losers. And Mr. Wilson is talking primarily in this chapter about the reality of sin in our life. Uh, The sin of a fallen world that can sometimes be devastating towards us. The, The sin of other people against us and also our own sin that wounds other people who are near us while leaving us bankrupt and empty. And it's a tough chapter. I'll admit it. It is a tough chapter, but it's a necessary chapter because we have to go down before we can come up. Uh, The gospel is only good news of salvation if we realize we need saving. If sin is not destroying the world, if sin is not destroying us, then we would not need the gospel at all. So even though this is a tough chapter to read, I encourage you to stick with the chapter, even if you're finding it hard, even if it pokes you and prods you in ways that make you feel uncomfortable, even if it makes you angry at times, stick with chapter 2 because we have to understand how we tackle the problem of sin in our discipleship. And this is what I mean. As we lean into discipleship in this season as a church together, we understand that if discipleship is following Jesus, if discipleship is having the likeness of Jesus formed in us, if sanctification means growing more mature and walking straighter paths with stronger strides, then we need to know that sin handicaps us in that pursuit. Sin will knock us down and trip us up. Sin consumes us from the inside, and sin wounds us from the outside. And so if we're going to lean into discipleship as a church and as brothers and sisters in Christ together, then we have to deal with this issue of sin and how it affects our maturing, our sanctification, and our walk with Jesus. Whenever someone is sitting in my office with a problem, they come into my office, they want to talk to the pastor. They have pain. They have frustration. They're feeling stuck. They're feeling helpless. And the people sitting in my office, sometimes in tears, they need discipleship, or what they may call counseling, because if you're a Christian, there's not very much difference between discipleship and counseling. And one of the first things that has to be done in those situations is identifying the sin that is causing this pain, because sin will attack us, harm us, and wound us 
from three different places. And we have to understand this before we can begin to address it. Firstly, there's the fallen nature of the world. In Romans 8, 20 and 21, Paul tells us, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Paul says, and we see it, just as Mark prayed, all around the world and in our own backyard. Sin has affected creation. We are wounded by and impacted by the sin of a corrupted world. Whether it's monsoons or earthquakes, stress, strokes, cancer, or COVID-19, we know the world is in bondage to corruption or to failure and to brokenness as a result of sin. A corrupt and broken world can wound us as disciples. Sometimes it just might trip us up a little bit, but sometimes a corrupt world and the circumstances of it cuts us right off at the knees so we barely know how to go on. But if we're not aware as disciples that a broken world will sometimes wound us, then we will be taken off guard and become angry and resentful and fearful or discouraged. Our maturing in Christ can come to a grinding halt if the circumstances of our life get battered and we can't get past whatever wound the world has caused. So sometimes our discipleship We need to confront the effects of a fallen world. That's the first way sin can affect us in our discipleship. Secondly, we are sinned against by other people. People are sinners. Even your kindly old grandmother is a sinner. And sometimes even grandmothers can say or do the meanest of things. People do selfish things. People do angry things. They do hurtful things. You could be hurt by your spouse. You may be wounded by a friend. You may be hurt by even a brother or sister in the church. You may be offended by peers at work or by your own mother or father. People abuse, people neglect, people become enslaved to their own sin, and their sinful choices end up harming us. And when you are wounded by the sin of others, your discipleship and your walk and your maturity and your sanctification usually goes deeper or it disappears entirely. Many times in our discipleship, almost daily, we are confronting the effect of other people's sin. And so as disciples, we have to guard our hearts so that we don't sin in response. So the sin of the fallen world can affect us. The sin of other people can affect us. Thirdly and finally, our own sin wounds us. Just as we experience the sin of others, we sin against others ourselves. We can be controlled by anger or by pride or by selfishness. We let our desires control our life choices, and we make choices that cause us and others harm. We allow sinful decisions to put ourselves into circumstances and into relationships and into situations that are destroying us. We choose death over life because we are a sinful people, and we bear the wounds of our own sin And very often, every day in our discipleship, we have to confront our own sin with the gospel. So there are three ways that sin impacts us. And when that person is sitting in my office, or when you're sitting and having coffee with a brother or sister in Christ, and they're talking about their wounds, and they're talking about their struggles, one of the first things that we have to do as Christians is understand How is sin a part of this problem? Because it's always there. It's either the corruption of a fallen world 
that has wounded us, it is the sin of another person against us, or it is our own sin, and quite often it's all three things at once. But if we don't sort out how sin affects our discipleship, then we will just be taking blind shots in the dark trying to come up with band-aid solutions that never really fix the root problem. The root problem of our woundedness and our brokenness is sin. So in short, we are both sinned against, and at the same time, we are sinners too. In other words, we are wounded, and we wound others. So then what is the solution for our Christian life? What is the solution for our discipleship? What is the remedy for our wounds? What will set us free to follow Jesus? Well, what I want to look at today is the reality that we need a wounded healer. And we, as his disciples, also need to be wounded healers. Let's pray. Father God, as we look into your word now, we do confront this reality as your children, that we are still embodied souls, that we have sinful flesh that we still carry with us, and that this is a fallen world that's broken. It's not the world the way you intended it. And so this broken world wounds us, the sin of others harms us, and our own choices can destroy us. So, Father, if we're going to take discipleship seriously, we need to get a grip on how we are going to be wounded, but also healers. Pray for your Holy Spirit to open your word and our hearts this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So the good news, as we turn to the scriptures and we look and we say, well, what's the good news in this, Paul, if this is the reality of sin? Well, the good news is the Bible and the gospel says that we have a wounded healer. Prophesying of Jesus, Isaiah says in chapter 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That's the good news of the Bible. That's the good news of the gospel. We have a wounded healer ourselves. Verses 3 to 4 says that this wounded healer, Jesus Christ, sympathizes with us. God, in Jesus, joined us in our suffering. He didn't stay in pristine heaven, untouched by the reality of this world. Whatever suffering is to us, whatever God is accomplishing in suffering, we know that he himself, in the form of Jesus, came and joined us in suffering. And in bearing the penalty and the wounds of sin, both general and explicit. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 that Jesus sympathizes with our weakness, joining us in every temptation, but did not sin himself. That means he remained qualified to take the judgment that we cannot take ourselves. He remained qualified to be the sacrifice on our behalf, and he did so. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And then verse 5 says that this sympathetic high priest, this God who joined us in the flesh and joined us in our suffering, did so to bring us healing and peace. Verse 5 says he's therefore able to bear the sin of the world and the suffering caused by that sin and ushering in a new way of healing of what we have been wounded by. With his wounds, we are healed. By what Christ has done on the cross, we have opportunity for healing. And not just a healing of the spiritual relationship with God, but in context here, healing is possible from the wounds of a sinful world. That's what Isaiah is saying. He brought peace, and with his wounds, we are healed. By his chastisement, we have a way towards finding peace. And it's interesting that word, chastisement. We don't use that word a whole bunch anymore. Uh, In the Hebrew here in Isaiah, it's mukar, and it means chastisement in English, and it's actually a pretty good English word for what it means. It means, in some sense, what you would expect, a scolding, a verbal discipline, right? When you chastise somebody, you're kind of giving them a tongue lashing. It's a verbal discipline. But specifically, the word mukar and chastisement itself is instruction. It isn't berating somebody forcefully just for the sake of berating them, but it is forcefully instructing them. When you chastise someone, especially this Hebrew word mukar, it's saying, this is the way. But even more specifically, it's instructing them with warning. It's saying, this is the way, and if you don't learn from this instruction, then Take this as an illustration of what will be the consequences. And so when we think of that word in terms of the cross and what Jesus did, there's a sense in which as we look to the cross of Jesus and his bearing our wounds and our sin, the cross itself is a chastisement. It is an instruction to us. Even as Jesus makes a way for us to find peace and healing through what he has done on the cross, it is only if we follow the instruction of the cross to do so. If we don't follow the cross, then we will bear the wounds and the consequences that Jesus has offered to bear for us. So it's a warning, it is a chastisement. And this isn't just some Old Testament poetry. The Apostle Peter connected the dots for his Christian friends as neatly as he could. He says in 1 Peter 2.24, again speaking of Jesus, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. There's the discipleship piece. And then he concludes, By his wounds you have been healed. We have a wounded healer. Jesus is our wounded healer. And that's good news. That's the gospel. Jesus has done on the cross and showed us the way of the cross. And as we talked about last week, as his disciples then, as those who follow Jesus, this wounded healer, we are also being transformed into the image of Christ. Or as Paul said, Christ is being formed in you as his disciples. And so in that sense, we won't be surprised to find that even as Jesus is our wounded healer and we can find healing in his wounds in the cross, we won't be surprised to find that the gospel also says that just like Jesus, every disciple of his is going to also be a wounded healer. When you want your car fixed, you don't go to a mechanic with soft hands. You want a mechanic who has rough and calloused and scarred hands, hands that are covered with the scrapes and the scars of fixing a hundred engines. 
a mechanic who goes home from work and spends another three hours working on his own car, a mechanic that will show the same care to your car that he shows to his own. When you want your house renovated or a house built, you don't want a carpenter with soft hands. You want a carpenter with the scrapes and scars of fixing a hundred houses, a carpenter who has built and maintained his own house and will show the same care to your house as he does with his own. Well, the Bible teaches us that that same thing is true of the healing and the restoring and the renewing that needs to happen to the wounds that we encounter in other disciples. We also are wounded healers, and our own wounds are the stuff of healing for others. When others need healing, they don't need a disciple who has soft hands or a soft life. They want a brother or a sister with the calluses and the scars of their own wounds their own work, their own healing, who can walk beside them and show them the way towards the comfort of God. Disciples, brothers and sisters, need other brothers and sisters who carry the wounds of the hard work of walking with God through the gospel. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, Paul illustrates this about as best as it could be illustrated or spoken. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. See what Paul said there? We're afflicted. We've received comfort. So because we have been afflicted, we can offer the comfort that we have received from God to others. Paul and his followers were not disciples with soft hands. You can go through 2 Corinthians, actually you can go through a lot of different letters of Paul, but especially 2 Corinthians, and see what this guy went through in his life. Whether it was shipwrecks or beatings, whether it was imprisonment, whether it was legal action, you name it, Paul faced it. He was afflicted. He bore the wounds so that he could comfort others. When... Through careful discipleship, the wounds of others are uncovered in our life. When we're sitting and having a coffee, when you're sitting at the kitchen table, and it's three o'clock in the morning, and the roughest night of that brother or sister's life, and those wounds come out in a life group when you're sitting around having a coffee on the couch, when we have the opportunity to uncover those wounds in other disciples, we then have the opportunity in our affliction to say, I recognize that, I have that wound. I have felt what you felt. I can help you with that. I have comfort for you. Just like a neighbor who sees the puddle of oil and the parts strewn about as you are trying to change the brake pads in your driveway, and he comes over with his toolbox, and he says, I've done that. I can help you with that. I can put those pieces back together in your car. Or the carpenter who sees the tree that took off the corner of your roof and the corner of your kitchen and the corner of your rec room and the corner of everything all the way down. And he shows up with his tools, and he says, I've done that. I can fix that. As disciples, we don't have soft hands. We bear wounds and afflictions in our own life so that we are then equipped to comfort others and help them. Our job as wounded healers is not to simply commiserate with others at the raw deal that we feel life or God has dealt us. Our job is to actually be able to help them 
If the neighbor sits beside you on the driveway and simply agrees with you that your car really truly is broken and then points over at his broken car in his driveway, that's not particularly helpful, redemptive, or restorative. We need wounded healers who have put their car back together and can help you put your car back together. He needs to show you the repair that needs to happen, the redemption that's possible. So as disciples, we are, Paul says, to have our own wounds. Of course, we have our own wounds. But from our woundedness, we are to share in the comfort that God has given us. Paul says, with the comfort from which we ourselves are comforted by God. As disciples, we go to our wounded healer, Jesus, for comfort, and then we are able to comfort those who are afflicted. That's when you move from just being wounded to becoming a wounded healer like Jesus. Jesus didn't just come to suffer and sympathize and die on a cross as a martyr just so he could say, yeah, I've been where you've been. Jesus is more than just a sympathetic wounded one. Jesus bore all those wounds, but was raised into new life as a healer, as a redeemer, as a restorer, as a life giver. And we as disciples are born again into new life in order to bring that new life to those that we encounter, even out of our own woundedness. Now the beauty of this as wounded healers is that there is a reciprocal grace. Even as we use our affliction and our wounds to heal others, God has set it up in such a way that our wounds are healed as we heal others. Right now in this church, there are brothers and sisters sitting around you who are suffering from the wounds of loneliness or depression, the wounds of abuse or neglect, the wounds of illness or circumstances beyond their control. They are suffering from self-inflicted wounds of unforgiveness and jealousy or pride. We brought sin into this world and sin continues to wound us. Either the natural sin, the explicit sin, or our own sin. But as disciples, we pick up our cross and we follow our wounded healer. And as we engage in the healing of others, what we discover is that we find healing and comfort ourselves. Paul wrote, We may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's this reciprocal grace that God has set up that says, As you take your brokenness and you apply it to the life of brothers and sisters around you, you will then also be participating in comfort from God. And just an important observation here too, we are not disqualified just because our wounds are not exactly the same. You should not come away from this text thinking, well, my situation is not exactly like their situation, so I don't have anything to say to it. I'm not qualified or equipped to help this brother or sister in Christ because they're going through something that's different than what I went through. That isn't exactly what Paul says here. He says that he and his disciples suffered and were comforted so that, quote, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Paul doesn't say just people who went through the same thing we did. He says, there is a sense in which as you walk rightly through your brokenness, you are then equipped to help people in their brokenness, even if it's not exactly the same. Paul says, you don't have an excuse not to help a brother or sister around you just because you don't think your life lines up perfectly with theirs. Of course, there's an advantage to having shared a similarity of brokenness, but the text here says that you can comfort those in any affliction 
as you mature in the comfort of your own affliction. So in your life groups, in your relationships, as you go through life with people, be willing to bring your own wounds and your own brokenness into the light for them to see and use them as a source of comfort and healing for others. Understand this point very clearly. God does not waste any of our suffering. God did not waste any of Jesus' suffering, either when he was here on earth or on the cross. And God will never waste any of your suffering. He will use your suffering, your brokenness, your affliction for his glory, for your ultimate maturity and joy, and he will use it for the wisdom and renewal and hearing and redemption of others, and a thousand other ways besides that. In a very real way, this is how we continue to heal our own wounds and see ourselves redeemed and restored from the wounds that we've afflicted when we see that God isn't wasting our suffering, but he's using it for the freedom of others. When we don't waste our afflictions, but by God's grace we use them to comfort other brothers and sisters, we discover that our wounds may actually be the most valuable thing that we have to offer. They are not a liability. They are an asset. But not only is there this reciprocal grace that as we heal brothers and sisters around us from our own affliction and we find our own afflictions being healed and redeemed and made useful and purposeful in life and not wasted, there's a cosmically reciprocal grace. And this is really incredible to conceive of. That in comforting the wounds of others, We are also comforting Christ. As I said, this is perhaps the most stunning revelation we discover as we dig deeper into our calling to be wounded healers. This is significant stuff going on here. This is so profound it's hard to grasp that as we comfort others, we're comforting Christ himself. As we heal the wounds of others, We offer healing in in some strange and wonderful way to the wounds that Jesus bore. Because we and our brothers and sisters in Jesus bear the spirit of Jesus, he's able to say to his disciples in Matthew 25, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. See what's going on there? Jesus is talking about providing comfort, bringing solace, caring for the suffering of others. What's he referring to here in that verse I just read? He said, I was sick and in prison and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. In other words, Jesus says, as we comfort others, especially the most hard-pressed around us, especially the most hard-pressed In our relationships, those that are in prison, those that are enslaved, those that are entrapped, those who are starving, those who are truly wounded and marginalized, as we bring comfort to them, we are not only healing them, not only healing ourselves, not only glorifying God, recovering joy, redeeming relationships, restoring lives, overcoming sin. Jesus says we are also somehow, by the grace of God, willing to fully identify with his fallen people, we are also serving him directly. If you do it to the least of these, you're doing it for me. That's the power of using our affliction in the healing of others. 
What more incentive do we need? Disciples who lean into the task of using their wounds for the healing of others join Jesus as a wounded healer and comfort Jesus, the wounded healer. It's such an amazing circle of grace. It was hard for me to even get my head around it as I was writing it. God has equipped us in our suffering and in our sinfulness in such a way that he is redeeming it in ways we can't comprehend. Our wounds, our affliction, our sinfulness, our trials, as we are comforted by God, are not our greatest weakness, but are in fact our greatest strength. And as we expose those wounds in order to bring healing to others, we ourselves are comforted. And on top of it all, as we do it for those around us, we're doing it for Jesus himself. I don't know as a disciple of Jesus whether you could set this up any better. And why would we be surprised? Because it's God who set it up. So he set it up perfectly. So as you go into your week and you're reading this chapter 2 on the effects of sin in the discipleship life, and says the gospel is for losers. <laughs> and and what, what Mr. Wilson is driving at is that we have to lean into, at first, our identity as losers. We are broken. We are afflicted. We are wounded. But as the gospel comes and the comfort of God comes, we realize that that is not our weakness. That is actually our strength. Because first and foremost, we have a wounded healer. Christ was stricken for us. And not only do we have a wounded healer who we can turn to for all sympathy and all comfort and all redemption and all release and all healing, we then are called to follow him to be ourselves wounded healers for those around us. So don't let wounds halt your discipleship. Because that's what can happen. We can get wounded, we can sin, we can be sinned against, we can encounter circumstances in life, and they will cut us off at the knees, and we will falter in our faith, and we will think that somehow we're not qualified, or we're not able to get past this. But wounds should not halt your discipleship. In fact, your wounds are not wasted, but redeemed as the most effective means of discipling and healing others. We have a wounded healer. We're called to be wounded healers. That's what life in the church is. That's what Christianity is. As you look around this room, as you think about the people that you know online watching right now, we are a people, and discipleship calls us to this transparency, to this humility, to say, I got scars. I don't have soft hands. I never had a soft life. I got wounds. I got nicks. I got scrapes. I got limps. Maybe I'm missing a figurative leg. But I have the comfort of God in the gospel. And I can bring that to bear on your life. And you can bring your wounds and your comfort to bear on my life. That is discipleship. And that is how God does not waste our sin or waste our wounds, but he redeems them. In closing, I want to pray for people who are really finding themselves struggling in their walk and in their relationship with Jesus over any of these three kinds of sin. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know whether maybe a corrupt and fallen world has blindsided you with some sickness or some circumstance or some event that has just chopped you off at the knees. 
and you need prayer because the world has afflicted you and it's affecting your discipleship and your walk with Jesus and with others. It's affecting your relationship with the church. It's affecting your relationship with your brothers and sisters. Or maybe someone has sinned against you and you are really struggling in your discipleship. The, the offense of this other person who has abused you or neglected you or wounded you or offended you in whatever way has got you all knotted up inside and you're losing sleep over it and you're wondering, how am I going to walk rightly and confidently with God, with this sin eating me up? That person has hurt me. Or maybe this morning it's your own sin. Maybe you realize that you have made life choices that have brought death rather than life. That you have somehow allowed yourself to stumble in some way and it is affecting your relationship with God and your discipleship and your joy and your flourishing as a Christian. When I pray, I want to pray for you here or online. I want to pray for you in any of those three circumstances. And, And maybe it's all three for some of you. So... As I pray now, we're just going to bow our heads and I'm going to pray. And as I pray for each of those different things, when the one that fits you comes along, just lift your hand. I'm not even going to look. Nobody's looking. You just lift your hand and just claim that prayer for yourself. Because as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have got to come to grips with our sin or we will not move forward in discipleship. So we need the Holy Spirit We need our wounded healer to get us through that. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we come to you with all of this true reality, all of this fact that this is a corrupt world that has wounded us, that has afflicted us, that this is not the world that you intended. It is broken by our rebellion. And that rebellion has shown itself in death, in illness, in the fallen nature of the world, in earthquakes and monsoons and tornadoes and cancer and COVID and everything else. You never wanted your creation to be like this, but we dragged our death choices into it. So, Father, right now, if there's anyone who's just been blindsided by just the reality of a corrupted world. Father, I just pray for them, and they might raise their hand even right now and just claim this prayer, that you are sovereign over this world. You're sovereign over circumstances. Not that you are going to fix everything in this life, but that you can bring them peace and joy despite their circumstances. That you are the God of the storm, that you are the God of the illness, that their hope is not in statistics, or intervention, their hope is in Christ alone. That whatever you have in store for them, nothing, not a sparrow falls, not a pigeon drops, that you are not there and aware. And aren't you not more valuable than many sparrows? So, Father, we just give the circumstances of our life over to you. Father, there are people here who have been sinned against. That's all of us. But maybe right now, in this particular season of their life, they have been wounded They've been neglected, they've been abused, they've been offended, something. Someone has harmed them by their sinful choices. And Father, that woundedness of other people's sin is affecting their relationship with you. It's affecting their ability to walk with you. It's affecting their ability to be gracious towards others. It's twisting them up inside. Father, I just pray by your Holy Spirit that they would be set free 
from the effects of the sins of others, that they know that they can respond in love and grace and mercy and leave vengeance to you, that you are the ultimate judge, that nothing that happens to them remains unseen, that everything that they bear up under, you will reward them for, and that they need not be bound by the sin of others. They have not called to a spirit of fear. They are set free. And finally, Father, There are those of us, and this is all of us again, but maybe right now in this season, there are people here who have made sinful choices in their own life. They've wounded others. They've neglected others. They've wounded themselves. They've chosen false idols. They've put their hope in the wrong thing. They've turned their back on you. They've held up the sword. They've shaken their fist. They've rebelled, and it's leaving them empty and broken. And they don't know how to get past this sin, Lord. You have sent your Son to die on the cross to set us free from the power of sin and slavery. So, Father, I just pray that even now they'd raise their hand and claim your freedom. That if they believe in Christ Jesus, that he has done everything on the cross to break that power, they need no longer walk in sin. They can be set free from it. And that you love them as sinners, before they even called on you, before they even knew you, before they even knew they were sinners, when they were enemies of you, you loved them then. And so you certainly love them now. Father, give them that sense of your love. Father, you sent a wounded healer to heal us. Make us wounded healers. Help us to image Christ. Help us to Have Christ manifest in us. Help us to identify with Christ and take on the person of Christ as wounded healers ourselves for our brothers and sisters. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.